Hi, I'm Terry Modica, and I want to welcome you into A Pilgrimage of the Soul, a podcast retreat from Good News Ministries of GNM.org. You are entering into a mystical union with Christ based on the mysteries of the rosary for your daily life. This retreat was recorded in New Zealand during a live conference. Let's begin with a prayer to open yourself to all that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. Pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, renew me. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me. Come, Holy Spirit, teach me. Help me to receive more of the Father's love and healing from Jesus my Savior. Come, Holy Spirit, you have my permission to change me. The fourth luminous mystery is the transfiguration. By reading the Sermon on the Mount, by listening to everything that Jesus says about how we are to be, how we are to do as he did, how we are to serve as he served, how we are to love as, uh, by his example of loving. By doing this, we are transfigured. By saying, Holy Spirit, help me, I do want to become holier today. I do want to make forward progress on my spiritual journey. We are transfigured with Jesus. We are united to the transfiguration of Jesus. There is no such thing as standing still on the spiritual journey. We have got to be making forward progress, even if it's little baby steps, or we slide backwards. Christianity is not for wimps. Christianity is for those who are determined to stand strong as a tree. That, you know, our trees grow stronger because we decide we want to go that harder path. We want to be Jesus in the world, even though it's not easy. We are strengthened by our determination, and it's always a partnership with God. We are strengthened by the Holy Spirit's own power. Our transfigurations are when we have moved forward on the journey and we are glowing brighter with the light of Christ. And you remember what happened? Matthew 17, verses 1 through 5. Let's look at what happened in that transfiguration and look at how it affects us. How do we live it? Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared, and he conver- they conversed with Jesus. So good old Peter, he's watching this, and he's like, oh my gosh. What? Look at Moses and Elijah. This is an awesome moment. Let's build a tent. Peter was ready to sit down with this. He was ready to build a structure. Let me read it to you. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. It's good that we are here. We can help out with this situation. (laughs) I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. When God does something brilliant in our lives, we're like, all right, let's build a tent and sit here for a while and enjoy this. Or let's do X, Y, or Z with this situation. You know, something good happens and we're ready to 
make good use of this in some way that makes sense to us in our limited brains, and God has a bigger plan. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my beloved son. Back to the same message that came at the baptism of Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now God adds an extra part to that. Listen to him. In other words, we've just had a mountaintop experience. We've just had an enlightening experience. We've just had a brilliant moment of God happen to us. And we think we know what we should do with that. And God says, listen to Jesus. You know, we can get our eyes off of Jesus in the hardships. We can also get our eyes off of Jesus in the good things that happen. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your ears open to Jesus. Listen to him, and he'll tell you what to do with this wonderful moment, this wonderful experience. And what he's going to say is, now use it for my kingdom. Use it to transform the world. The fifth luminous mystery is the Eucharist, the institution of the Mass, the Eucharistic banquet, the Last Supper. The church teaches that in receiving Jesus in the Eucharist, we become what we receive. There are even some rites in the church where where instead of the priest saying the body of Christ, it's become what you receive. We are Eucharist in the world. It's another way of saying we are Christ's light in the world. We receive Jesus not just so that we can go home feeling, oh, that was nice. Jesus comforted me. Jesus is my friend. Mass, as I started saying this morning, it starts with the gathering of community. We're singing the opening song together as a symbol, as a, as a reminder that we are one body. And then we go through the penitential rite where we're, where we're confessing, and we better be doing that instead of just running through the words of the penitential rite. We are confessing the parts of our lives, parts of ourselves where we are not united with the body, where we have done something that hurts a brother or sister, that hurts the body of Christ. Because this is part of the healing process that not only gets us communicated more closely to Jesus, but we are communicating Jesus out to others. The Eucharist empowers us to be that light. The Eucharist empowers us to do whatever he tells us. The Eucharist unites us to Jesus and to all of each other. Communion with union with all the body of Christ on earth. We need to leave church realizing that though we entered as individuals in need of Jesus, we left as a body united to everybody, united to Jesus, united to all the saints and angels and the saints on earth. And by saints on earth, I don't mean just the people who are nice to us. (laughs) A saint, theologically speaking, and scripturally speaking, is anybody who has chosen to follow Jesus and wants to go to heaven. St. Paul, in his letters in, in the New Testament, he said he addressed the letters to the saints at Ephesus, to the saints at Corinth, and so on. You are a saint. We are all saints. 
we're not perfected saints yet. We're not canonizable yet. <laughs> but we are saints. We carry the light of Christ into the world. Or we should be. How holy was Jesus? How holy is Jesus? That's what we're receiving when we receive Jesus in the Eucharist. That's what we're becoming because we have received it. How gifted was Jesus? That's how gifted you are after receiving him in the Eucharist. How fruitful is Jesus? That's how fruitful you are after receiving Jesus. We are meant to receive Jesus to go out into the world and bear the fruit of Christ and transform the world around us. Mass ends right after the Eucharist because now it's a source and summit of our faith. Now we have been empowered to go out and change the world. The Mass comes to an end right then because that's just the beginning of what we're to do next. It's the empowerment of what we're to do next. We're to, we're to go out and continue to be Jesus. We are now more connected to Jesus than normal because we just received him in the flesh, in the body and blood of the Eucharist. And now we leave to go take that Eucharist out to others. And the way we do that is by the way we live our life. We are the Eucharist for the world. And I'll talk more about that when we talk about the sorrowful mysteries. We are the light of Christ. We are the Eucharist that the world tastes. Do you give them a bitter taste at any moment? Ever? That's what we need to go to the sacrament of reconciliation for the next time you get a chance. We need to change the world. We are called to change the world. Our fragrance, I mentioned our fragrance before, our fragrance entices others to Jesus if it's a good fragrance. It entices others to Jesus the way bees are drawn to nectar, to the flowers. Our fruit feeds others. How is that possible? How do we do that? How do we latch on to this truth that I've been teaching? Jesus says something very important in John 15, verses 14 to 17. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I've told you everything I've heard from my father. It was not you who chose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain eternal fruit Things that affect the salvation of others. Things that build up the kingdom of God. And the next part is our favorite part of this. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do for you. Wait a minute. Wasn't there a condition on that that I just mentioned? Why aren't our prayers answered? Because we have to be doing what Jesus tells us to do. We have to obey his commands. And, and in verse 12 of that same chapter, he says, This is my command. Love one another as I love you. Our prayers are answered when we pray in the name of Jesus. And that means, not a magic formula, in the name of Jesus, amen. It means in 
the personality of Jesus, the giftedness of Jesus, the holiness of Jesus, in the will of Jesus, living out the commands of Jesus, which I mentioned are in the Sermon on the Mount as a summary of all those commands. It is when we do out of love what he commands us, that he mentioned you are my friends instead of a slave. The difference is a slave will obey the master out of fear of punishment. Duty, just strict duty. A friend obeys our master Jesus because we love. A friend, doesn't a friend who does something for you, doing it out of love, mean a lot more to you than if they just do it out of duty? If, somebody, if you're sick and somebody brings you dinner and they're doing it out of friendship, out of love, doesn't that mean a whole lot more to you than if they do it just because they were on the church list, they're the next ones to provide the dinner? <laughs> That's what God wants from us. That kind of obeying him out of love for him and out of love for one another, out of love for the people that we're called to serve. It's the love that makes the fragrance in us something that attracts others to Jesus. It's the love that makes the fruit that we bear something tasty, delicious, and sweet that others want to take nourishment from. You got somebody in your life who is not listening to you about the need to go to church or the need to turn their lives over to Jesus, to get the help they need maybe by going to a, a, an Alcoholics Anonymous program or whatever, getting counseling that they need. The frustration is we care, but they're not listening to us. It is in the caring side of it that we can make a difference, not in the commanding side, you've got to go. Now, when we're dealing with, with codependency and alcoholism and other addictions, we have to put up boundaries. And it's for love that we do it. Then they're not going to feel that love but we have to do it because it is loving to put up those boundaries. It is more loving to say to an abusive husband, I am moving out until you get the help you need and the therapist says it's safe for me to move back in with you. That's taking a strong stand. That's the right thing to do. It's the most loving thing to do. It's the most likely way of getting success and healing for both of you. In Matthew 19, verses 12 through 26, Jesus gives us the parable of the talents. Luke 19, verses 12 through 26. A nobleman went off to distant country to obtain the kingship for himself and then return. He called ten of his servants and gave them ten gold coins and told them, Engage in trade with these until I return. Invest them until I return. A couple sentences later, when he returned after obtaining the kingship, he had the servants called to whom he had given the money to learn what they had gained from it. The first came forward and said, Sir, your gold coin has earned ten additional ones. And the master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in this very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. And down in verse 26, I tell you, to everyone who has more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What this is talking about is you have been given gifts to invest, to make this world a better place, to bring the kingdom of God more fully on earth. 
the more you invest it, the more God will give you more gifts to continue investing because you are a very valuable servant of the kingdom now. We start small. My first speaking engagement was just uh, a teaching I gave to a small prayer group many years ago. We start small and God builds us up. We get more opportunities, more giftedness, more strength in our gifts if we invest well what he gives us. During Vatican Council II, one of the things the bishops did was to say, we need to address the calling of the laity to their ordinary priesthood, the common priesthood. We are called the common priesthood and the clergy are called the ministerial priesthood. And they come out of the common priesthood. The bishops wrote a document called the Decree of the Apostolate of the Laity. You are apostles. You have an apostolate. The word apostle means one who is sent. That's what happens at the end of Mass. We are sent out to take the Eucharist into the world, to take Jesus into the world. You have an apostolate. How many people have an apostolate? Let's take ownership of that. (laughs) The bishop said in that document, anyone who is not using their gifts to their fullest potential is useless to the kingdom of God. That comes out of the scripture that I just read. Useless. That's a big wow in my book. We have to be. We are called. In doing whatever he tells us, we are called to use our gifts, the masterpiece that we are, to the fullest of our current ability, and God increases that and grows it because he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've invested this well. And if we're not doing that, we might as well just pack it up, go away, and leave the church because we're useless to the church, to the kingdom of God, the body on earth, and the world that needs to meet Jesus and be transformed by Jesus. You're going to get a handout that helps you analyze where your calling is. What are your gifts and talents? To prepare your fertile soil for the next presentation, which is going to be on the Sorrowful Mysteries. You've been listening to Terry Modica of Good News Ministries. For more faith builders or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website at gnm.org. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit gnm.org today.